Uh, we don't want to fall short of his design. We don't want to fall short of what he has for us. We don't want to fall short of, of what he would have us to be and do in this world. Um, citizens of the kingdom, we want to conform our lives to this right here, God's word. We want to live it out in every decision and every action and every attitude, right? This controls us. It ought to, but it doesn't always. And so what we're going to do this morning is look at God's Word, and uh, I'm trying not to speak much of Byron this morning. Uh, I'm trying to expose, Steve was uh, not mad, but he was like, Byron, you have 65 slides this morning. I know, I know, and it's 95% scripture, so I'm not, I don't have a lot to say personally. Uh, I have a lot to say from God's Word. What we've seen so far is this, is that kingdom culture first is about surrender, right? That, that we first have to submit to the king. We have to have a relationship with him. And we say, you're the boss, you're the king, you call the shots. Uh, and then last week, a great sermon um, talked about kingdom culture is characterized by humility, being non-judgmental, right? Uh, because ultimately, our standing before God is not based on how good we are. Amen? Amen? Amen. If it was, uh, we'd all fall short. We'd all fall short. That's what scripture says. And so ultimately, we, we relate to God on the basis of grace, not based on what we did or didn't do, right? And so we treat others with that same uh, dignity and grace, right? Because we know that their work's in progress and they fall short. Kingdom culture is characterized by humility, right? Today, what we're going to see is that kingdom culture is missional. It's missional. Uh, maybe not a word you use. I don't know if I've ever heard it outside of church, uh, but kingdom culture is missional. And here's what I mean. The all-consuming, all-inclusive, sole purpose of those in the kingdom is to be about the mission of God. Not our own mission, not our own purpose, not our own kingdoms, but we should be about the mission of God. And the mission of God, as we're going to see, is very clearly what Jesus said at the end of his time here on the earth was make disciples of all the nations to the glory of God. That's our sole, all-consuming purpose, is to be about that. Now, here's the truth this morning. The enemy, Satan, our adversary, the one who stands against us as a church and stands against us as individuals, he wants nothing more than to distract us from that purpose. He wants nothing more than to keep us from fulfilling the mission that God has given us. He'll use anything. He'll go to any lengths to keep us from being focused on that sole mission. And when we get distracted, when we get consumed with all sorts of other things, and you can fill in the blank on what those things are, the enemy is gaining ground, not the kingdom of God. When we're not about the kingdom of God, and when we're letting the enemy distract us, the enemy is winning, not ourselves. When we care more about our own kingdom, our own power, our own desires, our own wishes, the kingdom of God is not advancing, the kingdom of darkness is. I believe one of the things that God wants to do today is to expose that in us. Where we're choosing our own kingdom, our own power, our own desires over his kingdom. Where we're being distracted from the mission that we've clearly been given by God. If you ever think that... Uh, we spend too much time talking about this, making disciples. Uh, you probably are, have a crowd with you. Uh, but we do that because we think that that's what Jesus told us to do. And so look in Matthew 13 to start. And, and we're just going to look at a bunch of scripture. And hopefully I'll uh, explain it well. 
Matthew 13, starting in verse 44, this is what Jesus said. He's, all, he's talking about the kingdom today, what it's like. And he said this, 44 and 45, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure, hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. You see what happened? This, this, Jesus says the kingdom of God is not just this uh, something that's not really worth anything. It's not just this little side gig that we have going on. He said it's worth everything. It's like, it's like somebody finding it and going, you know what? I'm willing to give up everything I have for that, right? The only, the only way we would do that is if whatever that is, is worth it. Like, we don't give up everything for one thing if it's not worth more than what we're giving up. Does that make sense? Right? It's, it's a poor investment to give up everything for something of lesser value. No, no, doing what God wants for us, being about his mission, is worth everything, Whatever the cost is personally, whatever the cost is, it doesn't matter. He's saying it's worth it. It's, it's worth giving it all up. And what we see in these verses and what I see Jesus saying is that kingdom culture is all in. It's, it's, it's selling it all and going all in on this one thing. It's full commitment. It's taking risk and reward. It's not half-hearted. It's not lackadaisical. It's not aimless. It's not unintentional. It's all in. It's fully committed to what God has given us to do, what his mission is for our lives, for what his mission is for us as a church. And what's that mission that he gave us? Flip over a few chapters to Matthew 28. Bible drill this morning. If you don't have your Bible, it'll obviously be on the screen. Matthew 28, here's the mission. Jesus, as he's leaving the earth, he's been killed and he's been raised from the dead and he's been with his disciples for a little bit teaching them and now he's going to heaven and he's leaving the spirit with us and he says this in verse 16 through 20 it says now the 11 disciples they went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them and when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted and Jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So based on Jesus' words right here, what I would say very clearly, uh, let me define what I think he's talking about when he says this is the mission. This is what it means to be about the mission of God. Number one, we don't come up with the mission. Our Heavenly Father already has. We don't come up with the mission. Our Heavenly Father already has. It, it's what he says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right, who gave it to him? The Father. The Father in heaven sent Jesus on this mission, and now Jesus has given us the same mission. We don't get to choose what the mission is, what the agenda is. Jesus has, and the Father has already. The private uh, doesn't get to look at his commander and say, no, I really think we ought to be doing this. No, no, no. The private just does what he's told, right? The one with the authority sets the agenda, and our Heavenly Father already has. So one, we don't come up with the mission. Our, our Father in Heaven already has. Number two, 
He's sending us out to accomplish his mission, not our mission. Right? The private just obeys the orders that, God, that his, his captain, his sergeant, whatever, has given him. He doesn't go out and do his own thing. If he does, he becomes a deserter. He becomes a traitor. He becomes someone who's not actually a part of that army. Right? God is sending us out to accomplish his mission, not ours. Not our desires. And number three, here's the mission, what he just said. The mission is to make disciples of all nations, of all people groups, to the glory of of God, that's what he says in verse 8, 19. And it's, the command is make disciples. The command is not go. The command is make disciples of all the peoples. And yes, baptize, yes, teach. But the command is to make disciples. That's the mission. That's, he leaves us with one final instruction, and this is what Jesus says. So if we as citizens of the kingdom are not living our lives for that mission that we have no confidence in our, our standing in the, in the kingdom. If we're not making disciples, if that's not what we're about, then we have missed the point. We've missed the point of all this. If we're not obedient to this command, then we're not living out what it means to be part of the kingdom. Flip back, I'm sorry, flip to the right, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. We're going to be back and forth between Luke and Matthew this morning. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 46. This is Jesus, and he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. See, what Jesus is teaching here is there's people coming to him saying, Lord, Lord, you're my Lord, you're my Savior, you're my God, right? And he says, don't don't call me that if you're not willing to do what I say. Don't call me Lord, Lord, and not be obedient to what I've already told you to do. He said, those who are in the kingdom, those who are a part of my kingdom, are the ones who are obedient to what I say. Simple as that. Now, none of us are perfect. I'm not standing up here saying, you got to be perfect. There's only one who is perfect. His name is Jesus. But those who are going to be a part of the kingdom are those who are seeking to be obedient to God's word at whatever personal cost that is to them. Seeking to, to... Man, here's, here's the crazy thing. Those who are in the kingdom are crazy enough to read this. And when it says, uh, how often should I forgive my brother? 70 times 7. They don't question it, try to qualify it, try to explain it. Well, but, but, but. No, they do it. When, when the word says that, that we should uh, love our enemies, those who hate us, it says that they do that. They do good to those who curse them. They bless those who work against them. They're crazy enough people in the kingdom to do what the word says. When it says that we should be generous, not hold on to our stuff, they give sacrificially. When it says that we should not store up treasure on earth, but we should store up treasure in heaven, they do it. And when it says that we should make disciples, 
We should sell it all and go all in on this. They're crazy enough to do it, right? If we as a church right here, if we as individuals who claim Lord, Lord, and we hear God's word and we don't do it, we have no confidence before God, right? We have no confidence. And if, if we as a church claim Lord, Lord, and hear his word and don't put it into practice, don't do it, then what are we doing here, people? Why are we even here? This is, this is a dog and pony show if, if it's just about us getting together once a week and having some friends. No, no, no. We, we claim Lord, Lord, and we want to hear God's word and do it. We want to put it into practice. We don't want to be unchanged by this. No, we come to God's word, the one with the authority, and we submit our lives to it. If you notice in the passage, this house that gets built, you think about it, I, we just finished building a house, and we've got friends building houses, and well, the first thing Jody Mitchell does is drill down deep, builds these piers and these beams, right, and all this concrete so that the house doesn't move, right, so that if the, something were to come against it, it's got a firm, firm foundation. If you notice the house that falls in this passage, it probably stood for a while, it didn't have a foundation, but uh, I built a lot of forts when I was a little kid, and they stood for a little while, but I can guarantee you they're not standing right now. And, and it probably even looked pretty, this house. People probably came. There probably was a housewarming party. There probably was uh, heat. There probably was community. There was meals. There was, this house served a purpose for a time. But what happened? As soon as, uh, as, soon as difficulty, as soon as... Uh, Something stood against it. It didn't have a firm foundation in truth. And so it was destined to fall. And the fall of that place was great. And I think what Jesus is trying to tell us, church, if we are not wholeheartedly devoted to living out God's word, to being obedient, to doing what it says, not what we want, then we may be here for a long time. There may be a church in this, this building right here for a long time. It may look pretty. We may have air conditioners and heaters that work. We may have meals. We may do all sorts of things. But if difficulty comes, if the enemy comes to attack, and we're not grounded on God's truth, we are destined to fall. That's what I read. That's what I read right here. And if we're not committed as a group of people, as part of the kingdom, to be obedient to God's word when it speaks, then we just need to shut this place down. We have no business calling ourselves a church crying out, Lord, Lord, week after week, if we're not willing to be obedient to what God has to say. Being an obedient church, as we're going to see now, is being a missional church. And if we're not willing to be an obedient church, we'll never be a missional church, and we'll never be a thriving church. It takes obedience first in order for us to be missional, in order for us to thrive. And here's, here's where I get that from. Flip back to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, starting in verse 1. It says, that same day, um, we don't have time to talk about that day. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. He was, I think he was tired of being around people. He's tired of having these conversations. He's trying to get alone. And it says, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and he sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables, stories, saying, and this is an example of one, 
a sower went out to sow. And as a farmer, a, 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 someone who's planting, so, so not a, a sower, right? Not a, what, what is my, a needle and thread, a sower, scattering seed. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, as he scattered, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they didn't have much soil, and immediately they sprang up. But since they had no depth of soil, when the sun rose, they were scorched. Since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with them and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And then Jesus explains this parable in verse 18 to his disciples. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, that's the seed, the word of the kingdom, the word of the gospel, and he does not understand it. The evil comes, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root, he has no foundation, but endures for a little while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understand it, understands it. He indeed bears fruit, and he yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Jesus just casually starts this story, not with a remarkable situation, not with a unique situation, but a very, very normal situation. A sower went out to sow. That's what sowers do. They sow. They don't reap, they sow, right? Sowers don't uh, plant, they sow, right? A sower went out to sow. This was very normal. And th th their, their method of planting is very different than ours, that we have, you know, very precise machinery. We, we saw the church land where they planted these trees, and they've done it in a very precise way to increase efficiency and make sure the yield is as high as possible. No, that's not how it works back then. They walk along and they scatter seed, and yeah, they're probably aiming at the good soil, but ultimately they're just scattering it. And some of it falls along the path that they're walking on that's been beaten down for years and years and years, and it's not able to get into the soil, right? See, Jesus explains this, that, that sowers go out to sow, and he's saying every Christian in the kingdom, every citizen of the kingdom is a sower. That's what we do. We go out into the fields that we have, into the places that we live and work and have family and are part of organizations. We go out and we sow. We scatter words of the seeds of the word of the kingdom. That's what we do. It's, it's not this remarkable situation. It's not this very precise and expertise machine that does it, right? A sower went out to sow. It's just normal. It's what everyone did. We go out into the fields, we scatter the seeds, we share the hope that we've been given. And yet, if you're, if you're tracking with me, the point of the story is more how the people respond to it. How, how some people don't get it, how some people do for a little while, but then they fall away. How some people ultimately produce fruit. 
See, we're not promised the result when we go out and sow. The sower didn't know how many of his seeds were going to make it. But he knew that some would. He knew that some would, would plant themselves and grow and produce fruit beyond what he could even need. And that's how we go out. We don't know how people are going to respond. When we scatter the words, when we share the gospel with someone, we don't know if they're hard soil. We don't know if they're good soil. That's why we scatter everywhere we go. That, it's so normal when Jesus talks about it, yet I think it's so unique and so rare in our day that we go out into our organizations, into our families, into our context, into the places we have influence, and we sow. It's so normal. A sower went out to sow. I think this is what it means for us to be missional, that you already have context. You already have friends who are lost. You already have organizations you're a part of. You already have family members. You already have friends. And you're a sower, and you're meant to go out and sow, to scatter the seeds of the kingdom, not knowing how the fruit's going to be, not knowing what's going to happen, but it should be normal and natural. See, Jesus didn't just tell parables about this. Um, He lived it. He did this over and over and over. And I had uh, a lot of pages in, in, in the Gospels, just the Gospels, of examples of where he is sent out, where he sent his disciples out, where he taught on this. And I, you may think, Byron, you didn't boil this down at all You're, by the end. I promise I did. Luke four, go to Luke chapter 4 with me. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. This is Jesus talking about who he is and what... He's there for. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then look in verse 42. Jesus again is talking about why he's there. 42 and 43. Of chapter 4, it says, And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. He was trying to get alone again. And the people sought him, and they came to him, and they would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. You see this? Jesus was sent by God. He could have stayed there and and. And been in fellowship with God and never come to us. But he gave up everything in order to come to us. His mission was given by God. And he came, as he says right here multiple times, to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. To proclaim good news to the poor. Liberty to the captives. Sight to the blind. Liberty to those who are oppressed. I mean, he he was going, right? He was sent because he had a message that the world needed to hear. The good news that you don't have to be a slave any longer to your sin. You don't have to be an enemy of God any longer. There is a way to be with God and have perfect relationship with him. He's going out because it's good news. He's not going out saying the bad news. He's got something to say, something good. And this is what he's out there doing. Not only that, here's some of the description of what he was doing. Matthew 4, you can flip back. You may be tired of that, but 4, verse 23 Some descriptions of how he uh, was on mission, what he was doing. 4 verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among 
the people. We get a similar statement in Matthew 9, verse 35. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. And then in Luke 9, Luke 9, verses 1 and 2, Six. Here's what he says. And he called the twelve together. He gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And they're crazy enough to do it. Verse 6. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Jesus was sent on mission, and Jesus sent his disciples on the same mission. He's the one with authority. He tells them what to do. And I think it's very important here. If we're going to learn from what our mission is, that we learn from Jesus himself. Um, His mission was not, he didn't simply say, here's authority to go cure diseases and heal sicknesses. Now go do it. It wasn't just about curing their diseases, healing them, fixing their, their worldly problems. No, ultimately it was two things. It was meeting an earthly need, but more than that, it was proclaiming the gospel. That that you can have a right standing with God. You're broken on earth, and here, let me fix that. But you're broken eternally with God. Here's the solution to that, right? It's both. And if we, as a church, um, think that being on mission is just being nice to people, is just uh, giving a handout, is just doing this or that, just doing nice things. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not evil. It's good. But it's not mission. It's not the mission God has given us. The mission is to meet the need and also meet the eternal need. Meet the earthly need and meet the eternal need. Because ultimately the, the earthly need will come back. And the earthly need will come back again and again and again. But the eternal need, we have the solution for. We have the good news See, mission is not just being nice. It's not just being good people. That's not our mission. That's not the mission Jesus has laid out. No, he, he preached and he healed. It's both at the same time. If you're already in Luke chapter 9, let's keep going. Look at verse 57. Verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And to another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first and go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, lead the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And yet another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first, let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, I know these are hard scriptures, and there's some, there's some ex- explanation of them, and there's some, there's some reason behind them. But what I see in this is Jesus is saying, there's going to be a lot of excuses for you not to be on mission with me. There's going to be a lot of reasons and a lot of ways you can can write this off and explain it away and say, no, I'm not going to be obedient to that. But what Jesus is saying, forget those excuses. You'll have them the rest of your life. He's saying, come, follow me. Don't turn back. Don't hold on to the past. Sell it all and go all in on this. This is not Byron standing up here and saying this, okay? 
I'm just, I'm trying to read you God's word about what it means for us as a church, as individuals, to follow Jesus. And he says right here, you're going to have all sorts of things that try to hold you back, that try to distract you from what's main and most important. He's saying, don't turn back. Don't hold on. Come follow me. Um, there's a lot more uh, that Jesus how he describes what it means for us to be missional. And I'm, I'm realizing right now this is a lot. Um, but let's keep going. What does Jesus mean? What does he teach? Uh, one, I think here, just, this is a little bit more practical. Uh, being missional, being about the mission of God, is an outward focus. It's not ultimately us as a church being attractional. It's about us going out, not them coming in. Does that make sense? It's about an outward focus. And I get this from Luke chapter 14. Uh, Jesus is going to tell another parable about the kingdom. He's trying to describe to his followers what the kingdom is like. And Jesus was talking with some men, and this subject of heaven came up. And, and the men kind of had some questions, and they're trying to figure out, okay, what's heaven like? And they're, they're saying it's going to be like this banquet. And so Jesus tells a parable to kind of focus them and, and teach them about what the kingdom is like. And we're just going to read part of it, uh, starting in verse 17. I, I'm going to start in 16. I forgot to put it in. But it says, Jesus said to them, a man once gave a great banquet, and he invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field. i got to go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and i I got to go examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've, I've married a wife, and... Therefore, I cannot come. And so the servant came and reported these things to the master. And the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, but there's still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel Compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Now, if you noticed in this, in this parable that Jesus teaches, this man's given a banquet. Um, and, and to give a banquet for a lot of people, if you host parties, you know it, it takes some cash. It takes some money to get food, and to get drink, and to get entertainment, and to, to all this stuff. It takes a lot, right? And it says that he invited many. So this man is probably well off. And it sounds like the people that he's invited are also well off. They're already part of his club. They're already part of uh, his people, right? Because they're buying oxen and they're buying land and, and all these reasons, right? The banquet becomes ready, right? He's, he's done all this work and he's got the food and the drink and the entertainment and all this stuff. And the banquet gets ready. It's, it's as attractional as it could possibly be. There's nothing more attractive to me than the idea of a banquet, okay? I'm a dude, and I'm fueled by my stomach. Good food, you have it, I'll be there, right? Um, this is as attractional as possible. And what happened? What happened? It says they all began to make excuses. Well, I, man, I've got, 
I got this field I got to go see. I, got, I just bought some oxen, you know, that's, that's a normal excuse in our life. I just bought some oxen. I can't come. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I've just got married. I, you know, maybe another time I'll be there. And the master gets angry because he's saying, come, be with me, be a part of this. So he sends out his servant again, and he compels people to come. And who were they? It says they were the poor, the blind, the lame, the crippled. They weren't part of the original invite list. They weren't those who would have been considered part of the crowd. You see the outward focus of the kingdom? You see what he's trying to say? He's saying it's not just about us. If we're just so concerned with us and our people and we're not focused on what's out there, then we are missing the point totally. He said, go compel them. Go bring them in. So many times we think if we could just be more attractional, if we could just attract them, if we had, if we had a rocking band or if we, had, if we just served coffee, if we just... Uh, if we had a rock climbing wall right over here, you know, then we would get so many people here. If we just had this or that, if we could just attract them to this, what you attract people to is what you'll keep them there with. And if what they're attracted to is the rock wall and the coffee, they, they don't care anything about Jesus. That's not what we're about, you see? What we're about is drawing them into Jesus, compelling them to come. The master wants you. The master needs you. And there's a way for you to be in relationship with him. See, being missional is an outward focus. It's not about being attractional. Number two, being missional is about giving ourselves away completely. Uh, I didn't put the quote up here, but a few weeks ago we talked about the quote that the early church's success was because they were totally disinterested in themselves. They weren't so concerned with their own agenda. They were about the agenda of the Father. And we see Jesus teach this, Matthew 6. Matthew 6, verse 33, he says this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's saying seek first God and his kingdom and all these things. What, the, what were these things? It was food. It was clothing. It was shelter. He's saying, don't worry about those things. Seek first the kingdom of God. And we might say, no, I deserve food. I deserve clothing. I deserve shelter. No, he's saying, forget all that. Seek first the kingdom of God. He, he talks about this so many points, but Luke 14, again, Luke 14, verse 27, he says this, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And 33, therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. This is hard. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat this. I'm just trying to read you what Jesus has said. If our primary concern is our stuff, our kingdom, our agenda, how we're perceived, getting ahead, our success... That's, if that's what's ultimate in our lives, if that's what we concern ourselves with, Jesus just said, you cannot be his disciple. If your first and main and overarching uh, mission for your life is not making disciples to the glory of God, then Jesus said, you cannot be my disciple. Being missional is about giving ourselves away completely. Jesus did that. He gave up all his rights and all his status and he came to us. He took on human flesh and died the death that we deserved when we were his enemies so that we could be with God. That's what it takes. 
It takes death to self. So number three, being missional is about taking risk and having faith in God for results. It's about taking risk and having faith in God for the results. There's another parable Jesus tells in Matthew 25. Matthew 25. We're not going to read it. Uh, We don't have time. It's 14 through 30. Let me give you the gist of it. You can check me later. So he tells this another parable to describe the kingdom of God. And he says, uh, there was this wealthy man, and he was going to go on a journey. I don't know if it was vacation. I don't know if it was just a trip to another country. But this wealthy man goes on this journey, and he doesn't want his, he's going to be gone long enough that he doesn't want his, his wealth and his money to sit idle. And so what does he do? He puts three men in charge of it, and he gives them different portions. Uh, but their job is to be a steward of that, right? They're a wealth manager, right? They work for Edward Jones or Merrill Lynch or whatever, right? And their job is to grow that money to take care of it for the man who's gone on the journey, right? And it says that Jesus gave one man five talents, one man two talents, and one man one talent. Now, don't hear talent and think, I can play the trumpet or watch this noise I can make with my body. That's what middle school boys are thinking. (laughs) This is my talent, right? That's, That's not what Jesus is talking about. He says... Uh, a talent is a, is a unit of money. And it, uh, I didn't know this until I started preparing for this, but a talent was a large portion of money. It was the equivalent of 20 years of wages for the average worker. Okay, so in Huntington, Texas, let's put it in our terms, let's just say that's about $600,000. At $30,000 a year, $600,000. That was one talent. He gave one man five of those, so let's just say that's about $3 million. He handed one guy three mil, he handed another guy 1.2, and he handed this guy $600,000. While he's gone, manage it for me. Turn it into something more. And the first guy takes that $3 million, and he invests it, he does business. We're not not told what he does with it, but what does he do? When the master comes back, he says, Master, look, here's your $3 million. I've made you $3 million. I I did this and this and this, and I've, I've I've taken what you give Give, have given me, and I've made more of it. Second guy, you gave me two talents. You gave me $1.2 million. Here's what I did with it. I grew it to be four talents, $2.4 million. Here you go, master. And he looks at those two, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the master. And the third man, who's really the point of the story, took his $600,000, and he dug a hole in the ground, probably a deep hole because he's scared. He puts it in a, in a safe, and he puts a guard over it, and he makes sure that no one is going to touch that $600,000. Why? Because he's scared of losing it. I would be too, a little bit. I don't want your $600,000. Don't put me in charge of that. And the master comes back, and he goes, look, master, here's your $600,000. I didn't lose it. He goes, you wicked servant. I put you in charge of this money, not so that you would, you would hold on to it and, and not use it. No, 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 no. I wanted you to manage it. I wanted you to grow it. I gave it to you for that purpose. And he condemns this man. And the language used in this verse, if you go read it, the equivalent is he's, that's the one who didn't have a relationship with him moving forward. You see, being missional is about taking risk. It was risky to take that man's three mil and use it and invest it and do all those things to try to grow it. It was risky. And being missional for us is risky to put yourself out there. 
to, to give up something that's safe and go after what God has for you. It's risky. It's not easy. I'm not saying it is. But ultimately, it's about having faith that God's word does not return void. When we go out and we're sharing the gospel and we're giving it to people, we know it may not always come back the way we want it to, but ultimately, God says that he's the one who is going to produce fruit. I have like three more points and we're out of time, but I want to read one of them. Number five, let's get to number five, Pape. I have two more points, sorry. Number five, being missional is about praying for more laborers for the harvest that already exists. In Matthew 9, starting in verse 35, Jesus says this. Jesus went through all the cities and villages teaching, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. He was moved. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he looked at his disciples and he said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. See, I think when we look out at the world, when we look out at at Huntington, Texas, in America, or whatever it is, what do we see? We see a place that probably looks a lot like this, and we we maybe we're negative. We I don't know. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of influence for God. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of growth in Christianity, right? Jesus looked out at a much worse situation and said, "The harvest is plentiful. I ain't worried about that." He said, "Don't pray for the harvest. Don't pray that people would be receptive." Don't pray that God would bring people. He says, pray for laborers. Pray for people to go out. Man, and if, if, if you don't hear anything else today, let's pray for that. Let's don't pray for how we know God's word will go out and be faithful to return. Pray for laborers. Pray for men and women who will go out and sow because that's what they do. They've been so captured by what God has done for, for them that they, and I don't deserve this, God. And I was, I was broken and I was wretched and you saved me and you loved me. God, I want others to know about that. And pray for laborers to go into the harvest. So I want to do that as we close. So if you would stand, I want to pray. And uh, we'll have a time of commitment. Of If you need to talk to me, if you need to talk to Brother Daryl, if you need to come and pray, if you need to stay where you are and deal with things there, whatever. But my heart is that ultimately today we would be obedient to God's word. God, we love you. God, thank you that you haven't left us in the dark. God, you've showed us clearly who you are, what your kingdom is like, what your people would be like, God, if we would just submit our lives to you. God, may this church, Huntington First Baptist, be known as a place that is obedient to your word. It doesn't explain away why we can't, we're not going to do that. It doesn't explain away why we're not going to submit to that. No, we would be obedient. God, I pray for laborers to go into the harvest. God, if we're not obedient, we can't expect for you to bless our, our efforts, God. We can't expect for you to make this a place that's thriving, God. So make us a people that first and foremost submit to your word. God, that give our whole lives away for this, God. Help us to see the worth in that. Help us to see the beauty and the glory in that. God, and may you raise up more laborers for the harvest from this place and from all over the world. God, to reap the harvest that already exists, God. 
God, give us peace. Give us grace. God, may you take care of us. May you give us boldness, God, to be who you've called us to be, no matter what the opposition is. God, may we trust you fully, God, and be people of the kingdom. We need you. We praise you. We love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.